God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring, and we equip for that outpouring, so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We are going to continue with part two of how to prepare for what's coming. We're so glad you've joined us again today. We want to invite you to go out to our website, globaloutpouring.org. And if you haven't already done so, to subscribe to our email list, we have different lists of things that you can subscribe to. We have a list for letting you know when we're going to be launching another podcast or some event or some kind of a sale that we have going in our bookstore. And we have our prayer letter list, and that's uh, that's for our prayer letter that goes out twice a month with a blog from me and a blog from Jean Little telling how to pray for Israel and things that are going on in Israel and other kinds of important information that you might just be interested in receiving. If you're, in, if you're enjoying these podcasts, I think you would enjoy our prayer letter also. So God bless you. We are about to talk some more about how to prepare for what's coming. Last podcast, we talked about how to prepare and, and talking about what is coming. So, you know, there's, there's prophetic words out there that there's civil war coming, that there's revolution coming. And I think we're seeing that in the spirit realm already. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, as I said last time, I don't think that we necessarily have to see this become a war like you think of with tanks and guns and, <laughs> and all that sort of thing. I believe this is a war that can be, that can be won in the heavenlies if yeah. we will do our job as the body of Christ and pray. Amen. I remember when, uh, back in 72 in high school as uh, one of my classmates, and um, her dad would be out in the garage making bullets. Yeah. And they came from Poland. Yeah. You know, the family came from Poland, and he's getting ready for the next thing that's going to happen. That's the communists coming to you know, coming to try to take over America. So he's out in the garage making bullets. Well, we thought it was going to happen back then, and it seems to be trying to happen right now. But just like back then, the intercessors prayed. Yes, and the more the darkness gets, the more the intercessors are waking up. Yes. And we had no idea the darkness was this dark. That's the truth. We had no idea what was out there until it was all revealed with our last administration with the with Donald Trump, because he was he wasn't scared of anybody, and uh, he just kind of ruined a whole bunch of things for, <laughs> <laughs> for those uh, that want to do other things, you know. Right, but no, but the darker it gets, the brighter even the faintest star becomes. Yeah, and when when it gets really really dark, even if you're very very faint in your faith. As long as you keep holding your faith, you are going to shine and make a difference. That's right. Amen. So it's not that we're we're projecting doom and gloom. That is no, not no. our heart at all. But sometimes, you know, just like Charles Dickens uh, began the tale of two cities, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And, and this is, uh, we're seeing some of that worst of times stuff, but... Uh, it's the best of times for those who are pressing into God. Yes. 
because we're seeing people who are coming out of this cobweb of confusion and this this uh, veil of deception and a veil of complacency and laziness in the spirit and they're waking up and they're saying ah man we better get at it things really are looking serious yeah they are looking serious but how do you prepare so there is physical preparation and there's spiritual preparation Uh and both of them are real but if you here's here's the picture if you are really, really well prepared in the physical and you've got all your rice and beans and your and your gun and your uh, uh, all the things that that the preppers say you got to have and 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 a way to cook and, and a, a, a bug out bag and all those things. But you're not prepared spiritually. You're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But if you're prepared spiritually the Holy Spirit will lead you as to what, what you, you need, need to do physically. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. So let's talk a little bit about the kinds of things that that the Holy Spirit will help us to do. You know, there, there, was, a, there was a catastrophic flood in 1950. And I don't know if Manitoba's premier this and i'm talking about manitoba canada um the red river flooded in winnipeg and it was devastating and the premier at that time dufferin and they called him duff roblin got a vision and i believe god gave it to him i don't Mm -hmm. know if he was a believer or not but but he got a vision to build canals a canal system around the city Mm -hmm. and in the 1960s from 63 to 68, it took to build this thing. And they did a whole lot of earth moving and pouring a lot of concrete. And, and it cost $63 million. And and his the people who who didn't believe he was doing the right thing called it... Um, Duffy's uh, Ditch, wasn't it, or something yeah, like that? Duff's Ditch Duff's is what Ditch. they called it. And, and they, called it, um, they called it Roblin's Folly. Mm, Roblin's Folly. Roblin's Folly. But... You know, here it was, and and for years there was never any great flood, but yeah. thirty years later, and he was already passed. On. He had already passed on in 1997. There was a flood to beat all floods. The Red River just went over its banks and ruined cities. We went we went through it was Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. North Dakota. Yeah, and we we crossed the river. It was still high, and one on the other side, and you could see the flood line on the. Houses. Yeah, I the mean, watermarks. Three three quarters of the way up the houses. They were yeah. just all underwater and they're all all have to be torn down. Yeah, it was terrible. And the river flows north into Canada, which is really interesting. Yeah. But when it got to Winnipeg, Duff's ditch worked. It worked and the city was spared. So uh, what were you thinking when we crossed over? Because we just crossed over to Ghent last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you remember, we've had a lot of devastating floods in the north. The train tracks were covered. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get the grain. I mean, if you remember, we couldn't move all the grain by rail or by truck because the roads were so far underwater. Oh, yes, I remember that. They couldn't get it. And bar- you know, farms were just underwater and all that. And we crossed over that. Mm-hmm. Well, we went into, because we're, we're on our way to Canada, on, and we passed over the through Winnipeg. What did that make you feel like when you looked down there and you saw water running in those trenches? 
Yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay. So, you know, the man, the man did the thing that God moved him to do, whether he knew God or not, God moved him and it made a difference. And, and, and what, it's like the book of Hebrews, you know, chapter 11. It so all these died in faith, never seen the promise, mm -hmm. you know, the heroes of the faith. So the man was a hero, but he was, he was a heel until the flood came and he's right. He died a heel, but he really was a hero. It's true. Go on. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> and, but what what I was going to say was that that the project that cost sixty three million dollars in the in the sixties uh -huh. saved the city four billion dollars in uh -huh. the nineties. So it it's important that we obey God, even if it looks stupid, mm -hmm. even if we are being uh, persecuted for. Doing, I think kind about like Noah. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, think. we didn't plan that. <laughs> yeah, for how many was it? A hundred years. One hundred twenty years. Hundred years. He, he was he, preaching, he, preaching. There's a flood coming. There's he's a flood building coming. this ark, and and you know out here you can't let a a wooden building take that long to build because the rain will warp mm -hmm. warp all the wood and everything. But they didn't. But have the rain, rain hadn't come yet. They hadn't have any rain. Yeah, and. and and the thing is, you obey God in the thing that he shows you to mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Whatever that is, whether it's storing beans or or whether it's something else, whatever it is that the Lord is showing you to do, that's what you need to be doing. And and that comes from that comes from an intimate relationship with him. Yeah. Now, there was a a lady in Korea and we mentioned her in an earlier podcast, but I want to talk a little bit more about her because she really was an amazing lady. Her name was uh, Esther An Kim, is what she what she went by after she had this experience and came to America and and got married. But she was from Korea, and she was educated with a Japanese education because that's what her father, who wasn't a believer, insisted on. And the Japanese were in charge of Korea. They they were having a war with China, and Korea was an important location, and so they took over Korea, and they were just persecuting the Christians mm -hmm. terribly and, and making the Christians put, uh, put a shrine, a Shinto shrine, in all of the churches, and everybody who came in had to bow to that if so if if you're trying to be a christian and you you want to go to church you got to bow to this this idol so she knew that she was going to be persecuted because she was a teacher in a in a girls school she was teaching music and it was a christian school but the japanese were making everyone uh, on a certain day of the month they were all to go up onto the mountain and bow before this shrine and so she finally agreed with with the principal to go. But as she's walking up there, she's hearing the girls behind her talking about, is Miss is Miss On going to actually do this? Wow. And she she was <laughs> yeah she was really she was really kind of a weak person, kind of a not very strong at all physically, and and uh, she got there. And on the way, she's having this pondering, you know, like, I, I really want to be like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and stand up for my faith. So she got that conviction to stand up for her faith. 
faith. So when everyone else was given the signal to bow, she was the only one standing. And she knew that she had to run for her life. And she went through uh, a whole lot of things where where the Holy Spirit led her. Hmm. In her walk with the Lord, she she walked this thing out where she's she's kind of running for her life, running from persecution. But in the meanwhile, while she's running, the Lord is preparing her. She knows she's going to prison for this. And so she she's asking God to help her prepare. And one thing led to another. And, and all of the things that were making her squeamish about going to, to prison, the Lord put her in positions where she was, she was kind of desensitized to it a little bit. And so that she said, okay, if I can live through this, so I can live through that in prison. Okay, I can live through this. Oh, okay. And eventually God led her into eating garbage out of the garbage can so that she would prepare her, her digestive system for what kind of food she was going to receive when she got to prison. And God absolutely prepared her for what was coming for her. And she lived through six years of persecution in the prison. There were only 14 that came out of that prison at the end. How many were in it? I don't know how many died in the prison, but there were only 14 that came out with their faith. Wow. Isn't that amazing? But God prepared her. That's and He prepared her in her walk with Him. It was that intimate walk that she had with Him that enabled her to do step by step the things that she needed to prepare for. Didn't they bring some fruit into the prison once? Yes, apples? she was sick with whatever it was that she was sick with. The thing that would cure it was apples. So she prayed, and God sent apples to her cell and and there there were a whole bunch of women in the cell you know everybody was going for the best one you know and she went for Esther went for the worst most rotten apple and and that's what she needed and they got sick because their their digestive systems weren't accustomed to having <laughs> fresh food so <laughs> they got sick and and in and in pain I don't know if anybody died from it I don't remember that part but she was able to get well because these rotten apples were being supplied. Wow. And that's what she needed. One of the things that she did to prepare herself for prison was to memorize over 100 chapters of the Bible. Wow. Yeah. So the more we study the Word of God, the more we get His Word into our hearts. As I said before, uh, lots of times the way that the Lord speaks to me when I'm asking Him a question is, a scripture will come up in my spirit. And that scripture answers the question. So God is in the process of doing these things for us as we're working with him, as we're walking with him. There's a scripture in Second Chronicles 32 that talks about Hezekiah and how he prepared for the siege of Sennacherib. And Israel had already gone into captivity. So this was Judah. Yes, so Assyria had already come down and taken Israel captive. Right. And now they're coming for Judah. And and they were able to take Israel captive because Israel was busy worshiping idols. Yeah. They had these two calves because the, the, the kings of Israel didn't want the people of Israel to go back to Jerusalem, which was under the kingdom of Judah, to 
uh, to worship because they thought, well, they'll just go back under the under the sons of David and and we'll we'll lose our nation and I won't be able to be king anymore. So come on, yeah. let's let's just these are the gods that led you out of Egypt. Let's worship this calf, this golden calf. So uh, in Second Chronicles thirty two, Hezekiah hears that Sennacherib is coming. So Hezekiah had 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 this tremendous reform of the culture he 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 brought the he brought the word of god back in he brought the the priests back and and the levites back into their duties uh his father had been evil and and shut things down shut the temple down and so they had a real revival they had a real yeah. awakening in in the nation of judah but then in chapter 32 of second chronicles sennacherib the king of assyria comes threatening. And so Hezekiah does some things physically. He does some physical preparations because he knows that there's going to be a siege. So what he does is he he stops up all of the water courses that were outside of the walls of Jerusalem and he changed the water course so that it came in on the inside of the walls so that they wouldn't be giving water to Sennacherib's army outside. But anyway, so so they they do these things, and he built up the walls, and he raised up the towers, and he made all kinds of of arrows and shields, and set captains of war over the people, and gathered them together to him in the street, and he spoke to them, and he said, "Be strong and courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that's with him, for there be more with us than be with them," and that. Yeah. That word that he spoke, that was his, well, he goes on to say, with him is the arm of flesh. With the king of Assyria, he's got the arm of flesh. But with us is Jehovah our God yeah. to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves. They leaned themselves upon the words of Hezekiah the king. And so Sennacherib sends, sends this word and he's, he says, you know, all all these gods of all these other nations didn't help them. So they got the city besieged. Yeah, they, Jerusalem is besieged. Yeah, and and they're I, well, and everybody's sure. up there listening. I, I'm not sure whether they were actually besieging them at that point or what, because I think they were still okay. besieging another city. At okay, the time. so the messengers came. The messengers came the messengers and said, came. "We're coming to get you." Yeah. And don't you don't you rely on your God because no one of none of the other gods of any of the other the other nations help them, and so you know who is your Jehovah God? He's yeah. he's no better than any of the other gods, and well, because Hezekiah and the people were leaning on the Lord, yeah, their faith was in God. There was there was a relationship there. They were leaning on the Lord. They were putting their trust in the Lord. Because of this, they were prepared for what was coming. Yeah. And what what came? Okay, I've got to go back. I've got to go back to Second Kings nineteen to get the rest yeah. of the story. Okay. So in Second Kings nineteen, the rest of the story and and more detail is given, and I I won't read the whole thing, but you can go there and read it yourself. Second Kings nineteen, it's very very powerful that tells this story, and the Lord gave this word to Hezekiah. Therefore, verse 32, therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. This is from Isaiah the prophet, I yes, believe. Yes, you're right. Yeah. 
He shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into the city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and eighty-five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were, they were all dead, dead corpses. Yeah. And so this this king that so boldly spoke against against Jehovah, the God of Judah, the God of Israel, yeah. he went back to Assyria, to Nineveh, ashamed because he'd lost his whole army. And he goes into the house of his God to worship. Mm-hmm. And his sons, sons assassinate him. assassinated yeah. him. Yeah. Wow. We have to put our trust in the Lord God Most High. Yeah. Hezekiah prepared. He did all these things in the physical. But in the end, it wasn't even necessary. Now, there's nothing wrong with having prepared. It was the right mm-hmm. thing to do yeah. under the circumstances. But the bottom line is that when we put our trust in the Lord and we have our eyes on him, he is going to do for us the things that will give him glory because we're looking to him to give him glory. Yes, amen. And when we give him glory, it is amazing what he will do. So what is the real thing? What's what's reality? The spirit realm is the real realm. Yes, uh uh-huh. You know, people who have had experiences outside their bodies, you know, they they died and came out of their body and and, and came back. <laughs> yeah, and the, the ones that came back to tell about it. But everybody who has died has had this experience whether they've told about it or not because it is the reality. The reality is you get outside your physical body and it's more real than when you were in your body. Your feelings are more real, your awareness of things is more real it's just it's just the real thing so god wants us to come to a clearer understanding of reality Mm -hmm. that the spirit realm is the real thing and that we really are in him that we're dead we're dead and our life is hidden in Mm -hmm. Christ, the Messiah, the the anointed one, our life is hidden inside of him. See, we're in him and he is in us. And so we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we have to see our circumstances. We have to see what's going on in the earth. We have to see what's going on in our culture in context of where we are seated in him. You know, so many times people are rocked and moved by fears and it's really all about the fear of death and the fear of death according to hebrews chapter 2 14 and 15 says for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also jesus himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death We're all their lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death keeps us in bondage. bondage, Mm -hmm. You want to get free? 
You want to live outside of bondage? Realize that you're already dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Yes, amen. That's that's the reality. That is the truth. And so when when we have that truth in us, we're able to move in faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember hearing a story of a of a pastor in China that was in a concentration camp of some kind of work camp and they had run out of food to feed the prisoners. And so they decided, well, let's just feed them rocks. Yeah. Literally, they yeah. fed them rocks. And the people were so hungry that some of them tried to eat the rocks and some of them broke their teeth and some of them died because they got their belly full of rocks. And there was this pastor and he took that bowl of rocks and he said, Lord, I know that it was a temptation that, that the devil was was tempting you with, but he said that you could turn rocks into bread. Mm-hmm. And I believe you can. So I'm going to eat these rocks and I'm going to s- receive them from you as bread. And that man ate rocks every day and felt well and was strong and went on about doing his duty as a worker in that working work camp and did not suffer because of the fact that he was eating rocks. That's just amazing. It's it's miraculous. Mm-hmm. It's the supernatural. That's where God wants us to have our expectation, that we're expecting him to do the miraculous, that we're expecting him to do the things that he has done in the scripture. It's really all about our walk with him. Yes, it's intimacy with the Lord. And, you know, in my devotion uh, time this morning, this just came to me as, are you in a long-distance relationship? Mm-hmm. And when you think about this now, you know, way back, way back when, when, uh, like in World War II or something, if you went off to war, there wasn't any phone calls. There was letters. And the letter would have to go across the pond, as they would say in the travel agency, across the ocean to get to you. It would take some weeks if anything happened. You know, and if you had a son or something died, Mm -hmm. you know, you didn't get a phone call or letter. You had a personal visit from someone in the military Mm -hmm. that would say what happened. And I remember even in the Vietnam War, people would have little flags in their window with a star on them Mm -hmm. or with two stars, some with three stars. That means they had three sons in the war. Wow. And you could always see that star in, in a person's window, you know. But back then, there wasn't, uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones and all this and that. And and so I thought, this is kind of like your walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you in a long-distance relationship with the Lord? Yeah. Or you can't reach him? You is have one gonna... communication, at, and, and it takes weeks before you get an answer back. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, in Luke 24, 49, it says, you know, you tarry, in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And now you have to tarry in your Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerusalem was Hang a dangerous it was Same a dangerous way. city for the disciples after Jesus was uh you know, after you after he was taken up, you know, until they were but the Lord said, Stay in Jerusalem. I mean Jerusalem is where the temple was. Mm-hmm. And you have and you know and you're required three times a year to come up you know, the males were to sacrifice unto the Lord. It's three times a year. But you read in uh, 
in the book of Luke also about Anna. You know, it's in chapter 2, verses 36, 37, where she was an intercessor in the temple continually, mm-hmm. day and night, with fastings and intercession. She right. was always in the temple. And when Jesus showed up as a baby, she came and prophesied. You know, this is, <laughs> yes. you know, because she had this relationship. But if you're in a long distance relationship with the Lord, I mean, you're not near where you can just talk. Right. You know, you're going to miss things. Absolutely. So it's developing an awareness of his presence. You know, and, and even as Sharon had said, you know, it's even getting the word in your heart, you know, praying the word. Right. You know, and and in speaking in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongue in tongues. Right. You know. These are critical things. Critical things in order for us to be prepared for what's coming. Yeah. Just like Esther on Kim was walking it out in her relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord. Walking it out, walking it out. Every single day we're walking it out. But we have to take time with him. You don't have an intimate relationship with someone that you don't spend any time with. Yeah. It's spending time with someone that gives you an intimate relationship that that you begin to learn each other's hearts you you learn you learn what the other one's thinking you learn how the other how the other person thinks yeah uh-huh. so that you know you know if like if if you're shopping for a gift oh this will be the perfect <laughs> gift for him or yeah. for her because because you know how they think and and this is this is the walk with the lord that he wants to have with us he wants he wants us to have he wants us to know him. That's really mm-hmm. part of the gospel is that we would know him, mm-hmm. a personal relationship with him, to yeah. know him, to know how he thinks. But you got to spend time with him. It, it takes time in his presence. It takes time where, you, where you're loving him and, and letting him love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember what Shirley Smith said in, in an earlier podcast about, about how the Lord spoke to her and said, now get a mirror. And look in the mirror and say, "I love you." Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> and 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 the Lord, the Lord said, "Say it." <laughs> yeah. And, and then then he said, "Now say God loves you." Yeah. No, God couldn't possibly love me. Yeah. Yes, say it. And finally, she got comfortable with that, and then God loves you just the way you are. Yeah. And it's learning to find one another in the spirit. Right. You know, it could be someone you work with, and I I, I remember one Christmas we. You know, for our Christmas, we um, adhere with our staff. We would draw names and pick gifts for each other. And and there'd be a sign-up sheet there, you know, like you have. Here's what I'd like to Here's have. what I'd like to have, like three three questions. And, of course, you know, some things here. <laughs> you know, but anyway, this this uh, one, one, uh, one girl on staff, she was from Oregon. And her number one wish was a wood stove from my room. Because you know, she was kind of <laughs> a cold body, you know, which is impossible <laughs> in a, to do that. But on all of a sudden, I I had this. It was like a life went off. That okay, you know. And I was in Hobby Lobby and I thought, looking for some materials. I'm going to make a little wood stove. And I looked, and all of a sudden, here's these uh, accessories for one of these these doll houses they have. You yeah, know, those big miniatures. these miniatures. And here is a beautiful replica of a wood stove. I mean, it's black, <laughs> has some gold trim, everything on it. So I bought it. 
and I wrapped it up real good. And and for Christmas, and she opened it up, and a note on the front of it says, as requested, a wood stove for your room. And she just lost it. It was so it was so <laughs> funny. She never laughed so hard. Then I had another note underneath, check inside for hot logs, you know, and open the doors up. And I took a number of uh, like $5 bills and a 10 or two, and I wrapped them up as logs, you know, and put them inside the wood stove. You know, and she never forgot that. You know, even we, she had, uh, a few years later, she, she, she left to go and take care of her dad. And a letter she wrote home said, I have that wood stove sitting right up here on my, <laughs> I really met her where she was at. Right. You, know, you if we found can, her in the spirit. I found her in the spirit. If we can learn to do that with You were led other. by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He gave you that idea. It was just something she needed. You mm -hmm. know? That's right. So as we're walking with the Lord, as we are letting him lead us, he is helping us to prepare for what's coming. Yes. Because what is coming may be different for different people, mm -hmm. and it is going to be different for different people. But in the big picture, yeah. he will help us to prepare for whatever is coming to get us ready for him. Because the, the word of God says in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. Hmm. You know, there's, there's a, a, in the Hebrew culture, there's a ceremony of betrothal. Hmm. And from the time you are betrothed, you're considered the wife. And that's why Joseph and Mary, they, they had been through the betrothal process, but they hadn't come together yet. They were still in the preparation time. And, and when um, it came out that she was pregnant with the Son of God, um, he took her to be his wife, but she was already considered his wife. They just hadn't consummated the marriage yet. So we are betrothed to the Lord. And as as betrothed as the betrothed bride, we are making ourselves ready for the marriage. What is coming is the marriage of the Lamb. Yeah. Yes. And what is coming is for us to be prepared for him in an intimate relationship where we have, we so love him that everything else pales in just our thoughts about, about, oh, it's Jesus. It's about him. And, and that we, we so consume his word. It's like we're eating it. It's mm -hmm. like making it a part. When you eat food, your body digests it and it becomes strength for your cells. Mm -hmm. It comes into your cells. You assimilate it into your body. It breaks down into all of its little parts and it feeds your cells. And that's, that's how the word of God is. It will feed you. It will prepare you. Just like Esther on Kim, how she memorized the word. It made her ready for whatever was coming. Yes. Make the word a part of your life. Make praying in tongues, as Philip just said, make it a part of your life. I, I remember uh, hearing the story about Joan Hunter's mother, Frances Hunter, uh, that she was a, a very fast typist and, and she was typing and typing and uh, writing something about meditating on the word. And she had a typo and she was usually very, very, very accurate. But instead of saying meditate, she said medicate. 
<laughs> and she was about to correct it. And then she realized, wait a minute, it's kind of like meditate, medicating, that, that when you meditate on the word, it medicates your body. Mm. Okay. And, and, and it's like taking medicine. You take it, you know, the, the doctor prescribes it or if it's an over-the-counter thing, you take it at certain times. You take so many a day, so many hours apart, so many, you know, with a meal four times a day or whatever, that you medicate on a regular basis. And as we, as we bring the word into our bodies on a regular basis, it will change us. It will give us what we need. Yes. Amen. Because the Lord wants to release to us his mysteries. These are things that are, that are hidden for us to discover. And when we're praying in tongues, praying in tongues, like Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. And then he goes on to talk about all of the mysteries that he has been shown and he's sharing them in the, the epistles. But he probably got there because he probably got all these revelations because he was speaking in tongues so much. First Corinthians 14, 2 says that if you're speaking in an unknown tongue, nobody's understanding you, but in the spirit, you're speaking mysteries. Yeah. So all of these things that we don't understand, we don't know what, how to prepare for when we pray in tongues, when we, when we eat the word, we are preparing ourselves. And another thing that we can do that, that prepares us is the Holy Communion. Yeah. And when we, when we understand the power that is released to us in that covenant meal, it will make a difference on a daily basis. So this is how we prepare for what's coming, whether we're talking about the big picture or whether we're talking about the personal picture. So you can go to the Holy Spirit right now. Get yourself a piece of paper and a writing instrument, whether it's a pen or a pencil, or you can go to your phone and make a note. Make a list of the things that the Holy Spirit brings up to you that you need to do to prepare and start doing it today. Ask the Holy Spirit for a way and a, a method that, that he wants you to do. Maybe maybe you need to take that mirror and start <laughs> saying, I love you. Oh. And God loves you just the way you are. But he, he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you that way. And And in that love relationship, he's transforming our lives. He's making us into those who will speak into the earth and make a difference. Because our words that we speak are making an impact in the atmosphere in the earth. And when we are speaking the word of God, we're negating and neutralizing those things that the forever loser has been trying to do. And we're undoing the kingdom of darkness and we're arising and we're shining for his light is come into us. The light of the Lord Jesus Christ is making us the light of the world, just like he said. Oh, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming 
loving presence.